Pickaxe. Welcome. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really nervous, actually. Uh, yeah, most um, people tend to be nervous. We'll, we'll, we'll get over that. Don't worry about it, bro. Um, so, and, and why don't you start by telling me, what do you go by? Um, I'm... Uh, I'm struggling to. I, I probably don't want to uh, reveal my real name on stream. Sure, so sure. Just, yeah. Um, Doc, something like Doc. That. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. that's totally fine, man. Yeah, that's why I just ask. You know, I'm not. It's just like, what do you want me to call you? So Doc is totally fine. So uh, no what, problem. <laughs> what were you hoping to talk about today, or what are we talking about, bro? Um. So um, as um, as you've already properly titled, it's. Um, I do have. I would say just a very. Uh, I don't know. It's a probably just a traumatic experience uh, after another. It's pretty much my whole life, in at least for like the first half of it, and then a little bit of like what's been going on re recently. Okay. Um, and to a degree, maybe my um, it, obviously I can't say for sure, but it feels like I have a very uh, unnatural reaction to it almost, and just the way that I've been dealing with it is. It's, um, I've sort of been troubling, uh, I've, I've been sort of troubled with, um, how do I say that? Just in general, how to even approach others about my own shit, if that makes sense. And, how to um, approach others about the things that you internally deal with? Yeah, um, okay. mostly because I tend to be very open about what happens to me. Um, okay. In a, in a way that's not very, I, w I would say that outwardly doesn't really seem very emotional. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it feels like there's like a disconnect between who I am now and who I was just a few yeah just a few years ago I would say can you tell me who you are now hmm it's, it feels like now nowadays um, I'm kind of living in third person almost like it's it feels like I'm basically just uh someone who's watching my own life happening. Um, I don't really have, mm. I, I don't really have like, um, um, I don't know, like I don't feel like my life is very important in that, like not in a depressed kind of way, like not, I'm not saying I feel suicidal as much as I'm saying that it feels like um, I don't really, I, I feel like I would rather um, help someone else fix their life than fix my own. I think okay. that's a good way. I think that's a good so, way to say that. So would it be fair to say that you're not, you don't feel invested in your own life? Yeah, that's a pretty good way to say that, I think. Okay. Um, so you're just like kind of like, of person, yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm the type of person who would rather clean up your room than, than my own, if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> so you put others ahead of yourself. Yeah. Um, and in a way, I do believe that that's like, the only thing that keeps me happy anymore. Um, like, I don't, it's rare for me to just be happy on my own or um, to feel happy because something happened for me, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, stupid example. I made 10K on crypto, uh, <laughs> just like from investments, and I didn't feel anything about it. Easy. I didn't feel anything. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I never felt anything about it up until I basically started telling people um, who are close to me who know that they are going to get some of that. And <laughs> that's when I started getting a little bit happy about it. I see. So like like the money doesn't mean much to you, but like exactly. when, when it can help the people around you. Yeah. It, it, that's when you start to feel happy. 
yeah and i don't know i just don't feel very goal um goal oriented anymore sure um it's like i guess for the gamers out there i could say it's like uh, i went from being an ad carry main to yumi support <laughs> okay I, I don't know exactly what that means but i i can follow the gist of it Maybe I became a healer. <laughs> yeah. So maybe let me ask you in a, in a different way. Would you say that like you no longer have main quest and you're just doing side quests? Yeah, exactly. That's okay. actually that's funny. So that's kind of uh, how I was describing it to one of my best friends yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just random side quests. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And, and And it sounds like it hasn't always been this way. You said that a few years ago, maybe it was different. Yeah, um, I would say maybe like everything like for five years it's been like this um before that i used to be at least competitive to some extent i was always like sort of the way i am now but now it feels like uh, i'm continuing what i've started if that makes sense sure uh <laughs> before that i felt like there was some drive behind it like i actually tried to be um i don't know i, I tried to be someone who's got a presence in people's life who's um and just someone who had like his own goals, if that makes sense. Like uh, I was very excited to be independent. I was excited to be um, uh, what I'm what I'm still trying to be um, a teacher. Um, that's what I'm going for right now. It's what I'm studying for. But nowadays, it just everything just kind of feels like it's just happening. Like uh, I close my eyes, and five minutes later, it's uh, I feel I'm, I'm a year older, and nothing happened. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like life is and, passing you by. Exactly. Um, I'm not even necessarily sad about it. And that's what's scaring me. Like, I feel like, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's kind of like just happening. And I yeah. don't really feel invested in my own life anymore. I'm just invested in, for example, what my little sister is doing, what uh, what my friends are doing um, to some to some degree. And, and I'm and, hearing you. Yeah. Uh, just just like a, a side note, I don't really know how to like incorporate it into like how, how to just bring it up. So I just say it the, the way it is. Um, I'm, I also have this weird struggle that I don't see many people having, but maybe some people here do. Um, in a way, uh, I feel like I'm a narcissist who also hates himself like nothing else, if that makes sense. Like I'm the person who I hate and love the most in my entire life. Can you tell me um, about that? Sure. Um, for example, like about the loving myself part, it's um, something that doesn't really need context. I just feel like in general, I have a, I have an ability to get on people's level very well. I think I do have, um, I mean, I mean, it does sound like I'm like, um, like narcissistic, but I feel like I have a very good amount of like social intelligence, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, I think I'm, I can't really think of any friend circle I'm in where I'm not at least somewhat of a prominent person. Um, okay. And it's not because just, uh, it's not because I'm uh, someone who's so just, who sticks out so much that people just want to know me. It's more like I just get to know other people and then they eventually just know, know me because of that. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and it's just something that I, I, I feel like I have a little bit, uh, I have, it's like the only thing that I have proud, uh, like pride over the fact that I can understand and get along with like pretty much anyone. Um, I have a very uh, wide set of friends. Uh, I, it, it goes from like shit posters on the internet to um, 
people who I've been studying with in my university to also people who are like basically <laughs> bottom of a society um, in terms of like sure. inf infamous, like yeah, just from being infamous, like they're not bad people. I, it's just, uh, it's hard to explain. Like it's, it's so, good people in bad positions, I would say. <laughs> okay. So doc, let me ask you a question. So what I heard you just describe is sort of like an assessment that you're pretty good socially. I'm confused yeah. about what that has to do with being a narcissist who hates himself. Um, I guess I've been trying to tiptoe around it, but I also sometimes feel like um, um, at least in that type of uh, like intelligence, um, I, because I believe there's many types of it, if that makes sense. Uh, I think that I'm one of uh, one of the best and the only people who manage to become like my very consistent and best friends are also similar in that regard. And I guess to if I wanted to describe it in like a way that seems more logical, maybe to people who can't relate, or it would be something like sometimes life feels like um, it's like watching a movie and everybody else leaves before, uh, after like the ads are over. And when the movie actually starts, people are starting to leave and talking about how good the movie was. And I'm the only one like actually, well, me and like some other people, obviously. But very few people are actually like watching the movie that we were that we came here for. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, so, so I, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try to cap. So you use the word narcissist, but I, what I'm sort of hearing is like a lot of people in life are plebs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so is that is that what so having that idea is why you you recognize or you that's what you describe when you call yourself a narcissist is it that attitude that you're talking yeah, about sort of like okay. I, I know that's not like actual like on the paper narcissism but it's just like i don't know how to describe, how to describe yeah yeah it. I, I, like I i get you okay so we okay. can talk about other people <laughs> being plebs um, okay but not in like a derogatory way. I still I, I can still love a club if that makes sense. I I I, I, I get you. You know, you can you okay. can be compassionate and respect the plebs, but they're still plebs, <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you can be on the challenger league, and you can you know pat those silver tier yeah, players on the head. That's and they're still silver, right? Like it's yeah. they're not less human than you are. They just happen to exactly. be silver. Yeah, and it's like, uh, I guess that, that's a really good example because like it feels like I really am like this challenger player who doesn't really have anything to do. The queue times are long, uh, the games aren't fun. <laughs> it's always the same. So I'm going down. So I'm making a Smurf account that helping like a fixed amount of people trying to go up. Yeah, I mean, no wonder it sounds like you're living life in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but it's also because it's like, it really does feel like it's the only thing really, that's really fun for me anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it kind of makes sense. So, like, I, I know we're kind of going into the lol analogies here, but if you really think about it, like, if I'm a challenger level player playing in like silver, let's say silver is a thing in lol, right? Because yeah, there's yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, like, and if you think about it, like, how much fun could I have being an ADC if I'm a challenger level player playing in silver? It's like completely boring. If you also kind of think about it, what would be more fun would be like a Yumi support, right? Where it's like. <laughs> True. like there's just no point in playing this game if i'm like trying yeah. to play but like at least i can get some enjoyment like because if you think about it i mean sometimes i'll i'll play with you know dota players who are like very good mm -hmm. and whenever they play you know with me like they love playing sport like 
It's just yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a waste of everyone's time if they play mid or carry. But like with support, <laughs> they can run around and like cheer me on, and and they have a lot of fun when I do well. Exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe everything in everything in life can be learned from lol. Maybe that's the takeaway. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, but help me understand the hates himself part. I, I get the okay. I get the arrogance. All right, that one's um, it's a bit more complicated, and I think it would make a little bit more sense once uh, I've I've told a little bit about like my past. But in a way, this one's um, like a mixed part. It's most, but I think it's mostly this is just me guessing because honestly, this is something that I can't really tell for sure why it is the way it is. Um, but I've had a major glow up in life. Uh, I used to be very um, unattractive inside and outside. Um, was a very weird person, to be honest. Um, it's hard to explain, uh, but for a while it felt like, um, especially like middle school and beginning of high school, like there was nothing I could do to make people like me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And this is a, this is something that I had to combat by uh, essentially copying normies. <laughs> like uh, to put it like very uh sim- simple it's something that i i just kind of uh, started to copy my best friend at the time who was only my friend because he lived in the same house and like he felt like he had to be my friend um but he was very popular and he was someone who really helped me out um just by telling uh, just by showing me like uh, how to how to not be the type of person who for example can't understand that everything I like doesn't necessarily have to be something that everyone likes. And I think that's what it was because, uh, uh, because of my like perception that everything that I like must be something that's, uh, so high up in quality that everyone would like it. Even if I, even if I have no clue what it is, um, but, but I grew to be a very annoying person, which then was also paired with, um, what I at first actually thought was probably racism because I lived in a village where, like, I lived in a small town, small village where people were not actually like no one knew really like really knew people who had my type of complexion. I would say, um, which later then turned out not to be true because it was actually just uh, rumors about my mom <laughs> that uh, led to that kind of situation uh, because people were telling their children not to play with me at first, and it just devolved into more and more. Not hate, but uh, like dislike. I was very cringe. <laughs> Wait, people were telling that. Like uh, people were their telling- parents were their parents were telling their kids not to talk to me. Um, just like when I was in like elementary school too, and it just these are the same people I I was with in elementary school were always in my class up until like the beginning of high school, and this type of like not bullying but just excluding made me feel like there's nothing about me that's interesting enough to ever make like any meaningful connections uh, aside from my family which even there was a, it was a re- really hard um can you tell me and it's just really oh yeah can you um, tell me a little bit about your family sure that's like that's an entire uh, thing to unpack <laughs> um hmm. so do you want me to just go in chronological order or just tell me, tell me about what my family's like right now? Okay, so I can just talk about my family life, I, I think. Um, I have uh, I was brought up by 
my single mother at first um, because my biological father, who I hope isn't watching, <laughs> um, he he basically bailed the moment that uh, I was born. Or ever, yeah, that's pretty much why, it. I why, was an anchor why, baby. Why do you um, hope that he's not watching? Because I... It's hard to explain. At first, I thought I hated him because that's just like... But that's like basically indoctrination from my mom because she didn't like him and she just kept telling me to uh, that I wasn't supposed to like him. Nowadays, it's more like uh, I actually really do dislike him just for the fact that he basically left me out, uh, just left me. Um, but at the same time, it's more like the fact that that I know what type of person he is. He's someone who... Um, which this is not an admission of guilt, just in case uh, he's someone who I've heard deals, uh, deals drugs in a major city in Germany right now or might be dead by, by all that I know. I don't know. Um, and he was someone who's never contacted me and contacted me ever in my life other than when he actually needed something from me. For example, he, um, just to put things in perspective, my mother was German. Um, this probably also answered a few questions about my accent. <laughs> um, but also my biological father, he was uh, Moroccan. And he used me or my mom, whatever, to make an anchor baby and just come to Germany um, using that. I see. And yeah, trying to live the high life, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, he was, uh, this is just the type of person he is. He did that. He did similar things a lot, like... Uh, when I turned 18, um, apparently he was like just about to be thrown out of Germany. I don't know why. He had he was about to have his papers taken. So suddenly he started texting me again and asking. Like, he was um, playing up a big game. He was telling me how I was his only son that mattered. He has a lot of sons, by the way. <laughs> but I'm the only one that matters. And um, he really wanted to connect with me again. And he misses me. And uh, that kept on for like weeks and how did you honestly feel when... i didn't buy it i okay. didn't buy it I, I was just annoyed to be honest because at that point i was just like i don't really want to know him now because as much as blood can can be thicker than water in that one instance i just thought it's been 18 years uh, this dude's just a stranger to me now like he mm -hmm. can't be my father no matter what he does he's he's always just going to be a stranger the same way that any stepfather would be if that makes sense because mm -hmm. i don't know him and um yeah, so when, when that all went down, I was just kind of annoyed. But my mom was, for some reason, also trying to enable it, even though she herself was like the reason I disliked him at first and didn't try to seek him out. So she was trying to patch things up between y'all? Uh, I think she was just receiving money from him, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> um, as I said before, he may or may not have been dealing in drugs and have made uh, has probably made a lot of money under the table. And he used that to like try to get to me, um, sent me a lot of gifts, uh, asked me what I wanted to have, stuff like that. When we actually met up in real life, which happened like a few weeks after all that, trying, trying to get in contact, he gave me like a shit ton of money just, um, just in my hand, right? Just, and you really thought that was going to work. And I guess it did for what he wanted to achieve because the same day that I met him for the first time in 18 years, so it's also the day that he dragged me to the town hall and made me tell some people in the bureau that uh, he, I, that he, I'm his son and I actually need him still. And because I did that, that's, uh, that's why he never got like shoved off to another country. So that's like the only reason he really tried to like um, engage with me again. Wow. And after that, 
Yeah, and after that, I never really got to hear from him again. Like, at first, I think because he felt a little bit bad about it, but it was noticeably less. And after a while, he stopped texting me altogether again. And uh, yeah, that's the type of person he was. Um, And in the meantime, since he was not my only father figure, or this is the wrong word to, to call it, I didn't really have father figures aside from like my grandpa, who was very. He loved me very much, but in a way that someone would love his dog, if that makes sense. Like, he didn't love me for who I was, but just the fact that I was, if that makes sense. Like, he showered me in gifts and stuff, but it's not really something that you could call raising someone. I love him very much still. Like, it's not something that I would hold against him. I don't think, I don't just don't think that he knows any other way to, like, care for people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if I can just try to understand that. So it sounds like your grandfather loved you the way that a grandfather loves a grandson as opposed to loving you for being you exactly um but i do believe that like i have a very special place in his heart and he doesn't have a special place in my heart too like i but maybe he doesn't really know who you are exactly it's more yeah it's more like he doesn't know how to find out who i am or who anyone is for that matter he's he's sort of he's just the type of person who's just really old-fashioned and superficial um like he likes people who do what he says basically that's a that's a good way to call it yeah um so he's he um but basically um now talking back like going going back to my mom she was a single mom obviously and um she however was someone who um despite being over 40 uh, like at the end of her lifespan she was very I would say energetic and she behaved like someone who was still like in in puberty she was like always 16 at heart ever since i've known her seriously (laughs) and um that's something that can be charming but can also be very exhausting especially when you're a kid uh that feels like you have to basically educate your own mom on stuff if that makes Mm. sense i always felt like i was a parent um maybe some people can relate i bet i bet some people can um can you give me an example of, of what that looked like? Um, complete naivete, just complete naivete. Like she was someone who had lots of um, husbands in her, in her lifetime, I would say. Always the same type of person. And she just would never learn from her mistakes in that, in that regard. Um, what kind of like, person? Same type of person my father was, uh, someone who just used her for like, <laughs> just to like get to Germany basically, or for any other like any other means to just get some sort of um, benefit out of her out of her relationship. We would all marry her for pay for a visa for money stuff like that. Um, weirdly enough, always people from the same family as my father, <laughs> uh, almost always. That is uh, like, very weird. Very, Thank you. So, <laughs> um, it really was weird. Like, uh, she even like I, I'm um, my real name. It's actually the name of uh, my biological father's brother. So that's like the type of person. I don't know the type of family that I'm uh, that I used to live in. It yeah. was really weird. And basically, she, they were all, in my opinion, very bad people. Which is also why I don't want them to see this, <laughs> but they probably won't. They can't speak English. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, this all kind of. So can you tell me? This all kind of, of led to. 
Hmm? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it was all just led to like a childhood where I had like a very, a, a very inconsistent concept of what home is. If that makes sense. Um, I used to live with my mother for, don't let me lie, like eight years, stuff like that. Um, and at some point, um, I think at that point I had two different stepfathers already. One of them was like neutral. The other one was really bad, really. I, I like I'd get to see them fight every single day. Luckily, not nothing physical, um, but it was just something that I've seen every single day. And at some point in life, she also figured that she wants to live like and she wants to live her own life. She doesn't really want to live for her children. If that makes sense. So she shoved me off to my grandparents, which is also why I'm saying that my grandpa really. Um, was like the only father figure that I had for a while because um, I was raised there <laughs> like with my grandparents for like half my life at least and now I'm here again grandpa is still upstairs <laughs> um, yeah and at some point like after being with my grandparents for a while that, that was something that I could call my like my actual home but one day um, that's when my like around the time that my little sister got gotten around to maybe six years old that's when um the child protective services are some no actually no um just basically just uh the town in general just came up to my mom and asked her whether i'm still living with her or not and they figured that i wasn't so they basically threatened her that if uh, i wasn't uh, coming back to the uh, to her place they would cut the um picture What's it called? Like just we in Germany, we get money for having children, basically. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't know what it's called. Sorry. But um, yeah, but since she didn't want to miss out on that money, which she didn't give to my grandparents either, um, like she was just kind of living off of that. Um, she figured that I'd have to come back. And after that, things were really awkward, to be honest, because like I've been I've been living somewhere else for six years. I didn't really. How old? Just my mom. Uh, I was. I, 12, 13, something when like that. When you came back? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you spent like 6 to 12 with your grandparents. Exactly. Um, and when I came back, it was just extremely awkward because I, I, didn't, I didn't really connect well with my sister yet. And like, she was just a stranger to me, to be honest, in, at that point. But your um, sister was staying with your mom. Yeah, exactly. Because okay. my mom always wished for Like, my mom always wished for, wished for a daughter. So that was like... <laughs> that's like the main reason she stayed with her because like my big brother was also shoved to my grandparents at some point hmm. <laughs> and um yeah um when i was there things just immediately went kind of haywire, haywire again because uh as i said before she had a lot of like i had a lot of stepfathers and none of them were good except for the last one to some degree but i'm gonna get to that <laughs> um it's always been like I was always afraid that they like they were bad people to such an extent that I was scared that they would touch my little sister when I'm not around. Sort of like that's how bad they were sometimes. Um, Doc, it sounds and, like not many people wanted you. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't, and I can't even fault them. Uh, which is also like this plays also into like my. Um, self-hatred to a way because i feel like in a way i've just masked that up and i'm still that person i'm still someone who people don't want and now i'm playing this character or it's not even a character because like I'm, i don't think i'm acting like in a way that's like fixed but rather 
depending on who I'm in front of, it's just like a, a matter of role taking, if that makes sense. Like I'll, I'll be the mirror of it uh, reflects someone the best way possible. Or I try to be at least like, I want people to just be comfortable around me. And so I'll act accordingly. <laughs> Sounds like you're a chameleon. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but I, I think I have like a few core, like a few core um, things about my personality that don't change. Um, but mostly, yeah, that's what I am. <laughs> a crypto savant. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, people really didn't want me back then, um, especially like any like anything outside of the realm of like my grandfather grand, grandparents house that's that's everything that didn't want me <laughs> uh school teachers my my own mother uh, my my real my, my real father stuff like that they all didn't really want me around um Tell me not necessarily because, oh sure um this is actually like a mixed part i, I said that wrong because like i had many teachers who were very nice to me but the thing is uh, i think it's probably a natural thing and people to always like have the worst stuff that happened to you more in mind than the rest. Um, and for every, uh, I don't know, for every five teachers that were good to me, there was one teacher who would bully me in front of a time, in front of a class. At some point that was even, um, the school rector. <laughs> that was like the worst time of my life in a way, because that person made me, um, fail, fail class. Like I actually had to repeat one class, even though I had a really good, like I had a really, I had really good results at the end of, at, at the end of the semester thing was that she just gave me an f in one course in germany it's like this if you have an f in your like final results then you just don't get to um progress to the next class why, why did you get failed do you know um un unironically because she didn't like me and uh stuff like that happened with her all the time to the point where she actually got like demoted like she's not in that school anymore it's like she's been in the papers for that was really just me being unlucky like she didn't really have a reason to dislike me. She, she was just the type of person who would like single someone Got out it. and just be. So that sounds like it was just bad luck. Yeah, pretty much because like, it's really weird because like two years after that, I got into the same class again and she had a, and she ended up having a hate boner on someone completely different. And that time I, I got, I got off Scott's free and nothing happened. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But, um, so I, I had a were... few teachers. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, please. I had a few teachers who would very deliberately um, make me do things that they knew the entire class would make fun of me for. Um, like what? Especially in like, uh, just, I don't know, like uh, it, it goes from like simple stuff, like asking me stuff that they knew I wouldn't, I wasn't going to know to literally bringing up like my entire like family relations uh, in front of a whole class just to make fun of it sort of. Like, it was really weird. What would um, they say? was... Um, for example, I had like a really bad fight with my mom at the time and he'd just bring it up and ask me how I could have, uh, how I could be disappointing to someone who, and then he mentioned something that my mom was very famous for, <laughs> um, in relation to like me having a lot of stepfathers that brings like a lot of infamy with it. Right. <laughs> okay. So yeah, not like he was not a very nice person and that guy's like, I don't know. That guy is like still in my brain. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to leave for some reason. <laughs> it's just like it felt really unfair at the time because I felt like I really I had no chance to. Even if I was a normal person, if that makes sense, I don't think I would have made friends at the time. Um, but yeah. <laughs> when that when you say that person is still in your brain, that sounds 
awful? And also what, what space do they occupy in their mind, in your mind? In what way are they still in your brain? I think there's like an entire half of my psyche that's like dedicated to like, and weirdly enough, uh, it's like the most traumatic thing for me, even though on paper, there's much worse stuff. That's I'm still going to tell you, but the bullying, uh, it just made me feel like there really was nothing and no one who would ever really gonna, who's ever really gonna love me for who I am instead of just what I am, which is, for example, a grandson, if that makes sense. <laughs> but um, it so, made it like to this day, now I'm very popular where I live. Um, and still, when I walk around somewhere, I feel like when people are laughing, I, I always feel like it's probably something about me because people used to make fun of like the most mundane things about me the way I drink water, the way I walk, like stuff like that. And that just makes you feel like there's really nothing. But, you can do that feels normal all right <laughs> and now it's like this half of my brain that i know isn't real anymore like it's i often call i like to call it um logic against the heart like my heart's telling me this uh, like people are still um people still feel this way about me but my brain knows it's not that way sure <laughs> sure i'm noticing you you laugh a lot yeah, it's because uh, I'm like I'm starting to realize now that I'm probably at a point where I've been telling like a lot of stuff that's really bad, and I'm not showing the emotional. Um, I don't know, like I don't. I feel like I'm not showing like an an emotional response that's fitting, if that makes sense. <laughs> and, and also, it's something that I just uh, someone just said coping humor in uh, in the chat, which is no reading to a chat. A way, doc. Sorry, <laughs> I'm really sorry. No reading um, chat. Quiet. Okay. <laughs> I one second. Eyes, I just eyes forward, Mister. <laughs> yeah, I got it forward now. But um, basically, uh, for me, it's something that this is going to sound weird. I have an uncle who's very, very, very like he's suffering a lot from BPD, um, and he's one of the only like people I know who are like very genuinely kind and nice, but he's got a really bad problem, which is he alien alienates people all the time by um, basically talking about his tragedies in a way that makes people feel like they have to say something to it. Like they have to console him. And I think in my opinion, um, people who have that sort of negative energy around them, like all the time, like if it's really very consistent, um, people have a problem with actually, connecting to that person anymore like they don't really want to be around that person anymore and yeah. i like to be the type of the type of person who's comfortable to be around and so i don't like to have and so i don't even if i were to f still feel like overly emotional i feel like i would still try to mask that because i want people to feel like i'm just telling them a story and they don't really have to like pat my back and be like oh i'm so sorry for you because I know it's going to make them feel bad too. Like it's because, especially because of the things that I do tell people, I think it's something that most people just don't know how to respond to yeah. at all. So what I'm and hearing is that, yeah, yeah. can I jump in exactly. for a second? Yeah. So I'm hearing that you have an uncle who manipulates people into being compassionate and caring. Very true. Yes. And um, you will be damned if you manipulate people into doing the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> it's just uh for him it's like his saving grace is that he himself is as caring and as uh, compassionate as he wants others to be like he's he's at least doing that like back to people and he's very much like if he loves someone he will do anything for them sure but he's very egocentric i would say in the, in the way that uh um 
I'm probably front running like what I'm about to tell, but I was um, going to eventually tell you about how my mom was murdered. And uh, I had to like, I watched it. I was there for it. And my uh, uncle uh, somehow had this idea in mind that he had it worse than me, for example, which I feel like if he had told that to anyone else, they would have probably snapped at him. I wasn't really angry because I know what's going on in his mind, but like I can... I can see how this sort of behavior can probably piss off a lot of people, if that makes sense. And he's alienated like all of his real life friends just from doing that. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I try to be the type of person who, if I do decide to tell someone stuff, I don't want them to feel like they have to react in a certain, in this, in some specific way. They don't have to tell me anything. If I'm telling it, I want it to be like I'm just telling an interesting story. Okay. Sad, but interesting. <laughs> I'm confused about how to react to you sharing that your mother was murdered. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think that's everyone. That's part of it. <laughs> um, it, for me, it's very like a conflicting thing because, as you can probably, as you've probably picked up, my especially like my early lifetime with her, not a very good experience. Um, not necessarily horrible, but also not very good. <laughs> and I always felt like I wasn't really like an important part of her life, especially during that time. Um, but as I said before, she had a lot of like she she married a lot, um, and people really did think that she was just someone who's very easy to have, um, to say it very, and, and to put it in like the most positive light that I can. However, um, she really was in love with the people that she uh, married. She was just really, un she was just really unfortunate in the way she picked people. And, um, so they would always like end up breaking up with her before she even like was ready for that herself. And it gave her something that, I don't know, it, changed her in a to a degree where she was extremely jealous um in the most un like i don't know it was really unhealthy to see even to see and to witness but i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to have been like her married partner even if uh, even if she i was someone who wasn't her because she was like very i don't know she was so jealous but it really felt like there was nothing you could do to please her and when my last stepfather came around that person was a very nice man um in my opinion, he was a very nice man at first, for example. Um, she, he was someone that actually was completely outside of the, um, how do you say that? Completely like outside of what she usually looked for in men. Very complete, like a very different man. Actually, like someone who's integrated into society. Someone who works a lot, like someone who wanted to work instead of just sit alone and sit, and sit at home and drink and talk to underage people on Shatterbait or whatever. whatever. <laughs> Uh, Chad Roulette, I think, and just someone who felt like he was a normal person, like someone that, as weird as this is to say, um, this, that was like around the time where I actually had friends, and meeting other families was like complete whiplash for me. Mm. Seeing how other families, uh, uh, like even with, uh, even by, while having in mind that these people are probably trying to like play it up and be nicer now that I'm around, now that I'm busy and visiting. These people were nice to a degree that I've never known. Um, it was such a weird experience to see like a normal functioning family. And it was so distant from what our, my family was. And 
in my opinion, aside from like maybe what my grandparents were. But when that person came around, it felt like this guy was going to um, bring that sort of feeling that I had when I was at my friend's, like in my, at my friend's house for to visit. It felt like he was going to bring that to us, which he did, actually. Like he actually did that. Um, he had something what? about him that... I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> uh, what, what did he bring? I think you were about to say it. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, he just brought something that I would call common sense. Um, he was someone who actually wanted to be like a presence in my life, in my sister's life. He wanted to be someone like he was someone who actually loved my mother instead of just trying to abuse her for something. Um, and I think that, and I think that confused my mom because she was so like adjusted to people being the worst to her right and so because this person was so different she started being the worst to him <laughs> um not at first but like at some point it went to a degree where for example she um she would go to work and he usually came home before she did because he went out earlier too and he had put on some weight he wanted to lose weight so he just went out and drove his bike like rode his bike so he came home later than she did. And her immediate reaction to that when he came home was, who were you with? Who did you cheat on me with? Right? Very extreme reaction. She would take his phone and uh, demand that she knows, that she gets to know all his passwords, gets to read all of his Facebook messages and stuff. And then she, at some point, even started like throwing his phone around and having like extreme temper tantrums where you wouldn't even understand what she's saying anymore. Which was very sad because she had like made so much progress at that point in to like in a direction where I would call her like an actual mom instead of just a person I call mom. If that makes sense, um, she was still someone who I felt I had to educate and sure. care for in a way. But it at least felt like she loved me and like she actually like now like loved and um, appreciated me in a way a mother would her son instead of just someone who's like living with me <laughs> and this was around um, the time that she was dating the the good stepfather or yeah, exactly. married to this is, okay yeah this is the so, good so, stepfather. so even though she was married, kind of sorry just to clarify even though mm -hmm. she was kind of um maybe being not so nice to him it sounded like she was more genuinely caring for yeah. you and no, for her too like she was he was very much in love with her like to a point where I would say this is the, the his love for her was probably um, the thing that seared like my family's uh, entire fate in a way, <laughs> because um, the thing is, if you treat someone who hates you badly, he's he's just gonna want to distance himself from you, right? But if you treat someone badly who loves you, that person's just gonna be confused and not know what to do. And some people can deal with that sort of pressure in a way that doesn't end in homicide and some people can't i would say and this person um after two years of having been the best father figure that i have had up until that point um apparently i don't know really what happened i don't even know if it really happened but my mom claimed that he um like punched her and punched her lights out almost like um i heard her screaming i went uh, i immediately came running and what I saw was um, her on the ground crying. She was mad in the floor, uh, just looking at me like, um, just like, what did I do, right? 
I talked to her and she said that she had, he had punched him a few times. But to be honest, her story didn't completely check out. And I feel like she actually lied about it in a way because like his story, which was that he shoved her aside and, um, and that he shoved her aside very hard and that she and that he accidentally like pushed her against the um, door frame. Uh, like seeing the wounds that she had, that was much more likely than her, him actually punching her full force mm. three times in the face. Like that didn't really check out. But nevertheless, I was mad. Um, my, grand, my, my big brother was really mad. And we threw him out. Not in the nicest way possible either. But I eventually started feeling bad for him. I came, and I came after him and I helped him at least find a hotel to stay in. And at the time, I was working at the same place as my mom. Um, we had a small casino, just eight slot machines. Now it's nothing big, but it, it was ours. We were, um, we were working in it up until like eight and one a.m. every day. And one time, like like a week after that happened, um, I would occasionally bring him food, stuff like that, so we would like even then live comfortably. Because for some reason, I just knew they were going to get back together. Um, and he ended up visiting me in in that casino while I was working, and just. Smelled like it smelled of alcohol, smelled of puke, really puffy uh, eyes. And he was talking to me about how horrible he felt, how this is like the worst time of his life because he's separated from her because he doesn't know what to do. He feels like, and he even told me at that point that sometimes she can be like the nicest and sweetest woman to him. And sometimes she's just so insane to her and to him that he doesn't know what to do. And he asked me for a hug. I gave it to him, he connected, and I figured I, would, I was going to help him to get back with my get back with my mom again which i did um i believe myself to be someone who's very good at reaching like any sort of goal as long as it um as long as it con contains making someone do something even if it's at least something that they have at least somewhat in mind like i, I think i it's not really they, i don't know if it's they, something that i can call manipulative but something along those lines they have to give so, you the side quest and you can make sure it gets done exactly exactly if i know if i can feel that there's like a, even if it's a secret quest if i can feel it i can do it sort of <laughs> but it's that's what it, it's like but yeah i did that and from four months it went really well again and then basically like a, a complete repeat of everything that I, I said before happened again and um yeah so we threw him out again and this time and this is something that i missed to tell you um before that he actually told us that next time he was going to get thrown out like once he came back in he said that in a very not in a cryptic or mad way he said that very matter of factly like we didn't even think anything about it he said that um we were going to regret it and my mom immediately asked him what are you going to go back to portugal because that's where he was from um and he was like yeah you'll see and that felt like that's what he meant, right? And so this time we threw him out again because it happened. Basically, the exact same thing happened again, um, except this time he also like tried to push my sister or something. I, I wasn't there for it, and because of that, like uh, we eventually checked out like on her mom's bank account, like her shared bank account with that guy, and we really re realized I can't talk. Sorry, <laughs> we, we realized that um, five hundred euros were missing. It's like, I think that's $600, something like that. Um, and we figured he really did just get a ticket back to Portugal or something like that. Well, he visited me again at work. This time at like nighttime, much more fucked up than the last time. Very puffy eyes again, small 
smoked like shit, to be honest. And one time, he like he, we were just talking about shit, and not even about my mom, just talking about stuff because I felt like this was the last time we were going to talk, which was right. Um, and he again asked me to hug him, and he was talking about how he feels like this is again the worst time of his life, but also there's nothing he can do about it. Right? Like he felt like there was nothing to do. And I told him, yeah, I don't think you and mom are ever going to work out. And I was like, yeah, but things are going to be better soon. And the next day I was in bed. My mom was late, at, uh, was late at work. She just came home. I heard the garage go, um, just closed down. So I figured she was going to come in soon. And suddenly I heard basically the loudest uh, sound of my, that I've ever heard in my life. It felt like an explosion right next to me. And it happened again and again, so like three times. And I went, looked outside of a window and I saw my mom laying on the ground and my stepfather, or at least his silhouette, um, with a gun in hand. And um, yeah, I panicked, called the police, the father. And at that point, I actually thought or even knew, like in my mind, I knew I was going to die next. I felt like this is this person that's going to come up here. And he's going to kill me and he's going to kill my sister. And this is like my last moment in life. That sort of feeling is something that I probably will never shake. I, it's hard to explain. It's something it feels like that sort of adrenaline makes you feel like someone else is controlling your body and you're only watching. And it's like, I don't know, it's like auto mode. But yeah, um, and that thought was... Even more, like that thought sounded even more convincing to me the moment I heard another shot. And I didn't even bother to try to look outside of a window this time because I was scared to see and to see what what it was, or to see someone actually come in. So out of panic, I just called the police and I took a wine bottle, st stood next to the door, and thought that if someone's going to come in, maybe I can try to overwhelm them. If not, I'll die. I'll die anyways. <laughs> maybe I can save my sister. Who knows? But no, no one ever came, no police, and that guy didn't either. So at some point, after like probably 15 minutes of waiting, or maybe three, who knows, I was very, <laughs> I was in, in a very, very weird mindset. I actually looked outside of a window, and I saw another person laying down on the ground. <laughs> Same person with a gun. Yeah, and like an hour later, police came, and that's where, how my family got torn apart to a point where nothing feels but now it does again but it felt like life was never going to be normal again and it i think it's just something to before i finish the story sort of it just felt almost ironic that the moment that life feels feels like it's starting to get better in regards to like my family life the moment that my um me and my mom get back together in a way where it's where it actually feels like family that's when life also takes her from me was kind of ironic, I guess. <laughs> That's quite the story, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard to tell people sometimes because it feels like, I don't know, I feel like it's actually so much that people often, oftentimes don't believe me unless they actually live around me and know it happened. <laughs> it does sound unbelievable in a lot of ways. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and to those who it doesn't sound unbelievable to it sounds like something they can't really respond to <laughs> yeah. usually when I'm at a loss for words it's because there are too many things to say 
And I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. How does it feel to share that? Um, it's something that I can't really explain, to be honest. It's uh, because um, I'm, as I said before, I'm very open about like. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's I've, I'm very open about stuff that happens to me. I tell people all the time, and uh, it feels like I'm making it real again in a way. Because like sometimes I feel like my brain is trying to, not forget it, but make it seem like it happened 20 years ago when it was only three years ago. And when I tell it, I feel like it's it's still real. It's something that really didn't even. Um, I don't know. It's something that happened not too long ago but i overcame it if that makes sense like i think i think that in a way at least i probably overcame it as well as i possibly could without any help if that makes sense because mm -hmm. there were times where i didn't want to live anymore that's especially like the first um first week after it happened second week ironically i was already working again because <laughs> like I felt like if I were to go back into like a normal everyday life, um, I wasn't going to forget it, but I was at least going to get used to the change, if that makes sense. Because like, I basically uprooted like my entire life. Like I'm, nothing's the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, Can I? Yeah, but, yeah. You have more to say? No, no, it's fine. <laughs> Can I think for a second? You may. <laughs> I'll allow it. Thank you. <laughs> hmm. I feel like this conversation has 10 main quests in it. <laughs> <laughs> they all feel really important to me. Okay. I'm going to start listing them out. All right. Well, actually, let's start with this. What? How? How are you feeling right now, Doc? Still nervous. <laughs> um, a little bit more comfortable than before. But other than that, I don't really feel much, to be honest. <laughs> is your is your mind telling you that we think something about you now? Um, I can imagine that there's people, especially like in, uh, I don't know, I, I can imagine that there's people who now have listened to that who believe this is not true. Um, because that's like, a, uh, that's, that's a reaction I get a lot. Um, there's probably a lot of people who think I'm weird for reacting to it the way I do. And maybe a lot of people are also relating to at least part of what I just said. Because I think, uh, I don't know, I think that for a lot of people, especially like people who maybe were outcasts or uh, either outcasts like in middle and high school or even just people who are gamers, um, I think there's at least something that they would probably relate to in that. <laughs> what do you think I think? No clue. <laughs> okay, good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Because um, that means I don't have to dispel anything and we can just get into it. So I, I have a very good opinion about you. <laughs> okay, well, let's. It sounds like disappointing you will be easy then. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, I it's it, yeah. Anyway, you don't have to. 
we can I'm sure we can hit that tennis ball across the court several times back and forth. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let me just, let me just kind of toss out, I'm going to just think out loud. Okay. Okay. So we started off the conversation and you kind of mentioned that you had had traumatic experiences, but that you basically like the main thing that, that I heard originally was that you're kind of living life in the third person and that the only time that you kind of get excited is the only time that you can really feel happiness or joy is like when you're helping someone else out. Um, and, and, you know, also like, so we sort of kind of noticed that you sort of feel like separated from your life. You're not invested in your own life. Um, but you can be invested in others. And then you sort of mentioned this thing about, um, you know, like you're a narcissist who hates himself. And what, as we kind of dug into that, we sort of recognized that, you know, you do actually think about other people as plebs. And I, as weird as that sounds, I don't think that that's actually arrogant. I I, I think that <laughs> I think you can accurately assess that you've sort of developed like a high level of social intelligence and you kind of know how to interact with people. You know how to make yourself likable and that sometimes people are not like aware of those levels of interaction. Right. Which sort of makes sense. It's kind of like, you know, you can be a master chef and taste lots of things, whereas like, you know, the majority of people may just want their tendies and like they don't really care about, you know, like which is which is fine. Like it's like that's how humans are. Like some of us are master chefs and some of us are fine with tendies. You know, some of us are like socially like very aware of nuance and such. And, And other people are just sort of like. I'm going to be a pleb and oh my God, did you see this pair of shoes on Instagram? I want it. And, and you know, like, yeah, and that's I, fine, right? No, like, yeah, I, I, I wish I was like that. That's, that's the thing. Like, yeah. I, I don't think, I, I don't think lesser of him. I just feel like yeah. I wish I was still like that, if that makes sense. <laughs> and, and some people are, are challenger level at league and some people are silver, right? Like that's, it's okay for yeah. people to be good at things and other people to not be good at things. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned hate yourself. Um, and this is where I think we can really start to see a couple of themes, which, you know, if you've been watching the stream for a while, I'm, I'm sure people can piece this together. You reading Twitch chat, by the way? No. Okay, good. Actually not. <laughs> so, so I, you know, you, you said one thing that struck me as odd is that there was a friend of yours who was living with you. And he felt like he had to be your friend because he was living with you. Can you help me understand that statement? Oh, it's just a co- apartment complex. He was living underneath, like in the apartment underneath me. But why <laughs> does it. why does he have to be with? Why does he have to? Because he just, he was he just was that type of person. He was a he's extremely extroverted. Um, uh, that person's like an entire thing to unpack too, because he was uh, that he was my late my late stepfather. Like the guy who did that, he was that he was his um, what's it called nephew. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, that's like T- an entire, tangled entire thing. tangled story. Yeah. But but what I'm curious uh, about is is why couldn't he like you for being you? Uh, because he told me he wouldn't have liked me if I hadn't lived in the same apartment, <laughs> in the same apartment complex. He was very. Uh, he was just someone who was very extroverted, and he just knowing that someone and just someone his age is in the same like house as he is, 
he just he just felt like he was he had to do do stuff with me because he just always needs someone around and that was like the perfect scenario for him so he in a way shaped me into someone he would like if that makes sense because uh, i was a very i was a very nerdy person um because uh, as one might uh, as one might tell since i didn't have any friends uh, internet was my friend <laughs> and uh, it still is to this day to a degree because that's why i feel more most comfortable even I, like i'm not shy i have a lot of friends nowadays i have a lot of people to hang out with i just oftentimes feel like i do want to stay alone either way and yeah so doc i may start interrupting you a little bit okay that's fine completely fine um so so and so this is i think like a <laughs> uh, was not the answer i was expecting um in terms <laughs> of you know why you felt that way but but I, I'm really seeing a, a big theme here, which is that you know you're not worth liking, right? So yeah. So, so and we'll and I can see you swallowed there, so that's good. So there's probably some <laughs> kind of emotion. So right, and it can hurt to hear it, but like let's just kind of like run through the the evidence of that, right? So I and I think that, and this is where we have to get really tricky because I think you are worth liking, but I think that it's very reasonable. For you to believe that you are not worth liking, because like, honestly, the evidence kind of points in that direction. Right. And I think it just happens to be bad karma, for lack of a better term. But to start off with, you were an anchor child, right? Your dad, like basically the reason that you were conceived was out of a, a, a sociopathic desire to stay in a country and for material gain. Yeah. And to have an absent father who tells you that he likes you. I mean, you're not really buying it, but then you also get like very clear evidence. Right. And this is not yeah. one of those things where I mean, sometimes we we deal with situations of cognitive bias or distortion where and that's what I thought we would see with your friend, which was like, oh, you know, maybe you just didn't realize because you felt unlovable, but he actually was your friend because he liked you. But it turns out maybe that's not the case. Yeah. And, and that if anything, what he taught you is that you're not worth liking. But if we can doll you up and make you pretty and make you likable, if I can turn you into something that you're not, then I can exactly. like you. Yeah, pretty right? much. <laughs> and and, and um, so, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that um, uh, in like regards to the uh, cognitive dissonance that you've mentioned before, I get that, and I still, uh, for me, it's. I think it's a little bit different than for most people, um, because I have this sort of thing where it feels like I got two thought processes at the same time when talking to people, where it's like the logic, like, there's like the logical part of my brain that knows, no, this person probably really does like me, and I'm very confident in that assessment. And then there's also the other part of my brain that's like, yeah, but do you remember back then? You you never really know if people actually like you, or this this is just a facade because they either don't want to be mean. Or because they're trying to like bait you into being like uh, funnily stupid again, sort of. <laughs> yeah, good. So I, I'm glad that you recognize that because I do think it's different from the cognitive. I think it's quite different. So for some people, what happens, so let's just illustrate this for a second. For some people, what happens is that their heart ends up controlling their mind. And so even though the mind should logically see that this person likes you, the heart convinces them otherwise. And they take exactly. someone who actually likes you and distort it into what the heart actually believes. In your sense, I don't think that you have that cognitive distortion or cognitive bias. 
Yeah, it's uh, more like my, my heart is trying to give me that, but it's not working. That makes yep, sense. Like, yep, I, yeah. I just feel a general form of like discomfort. Or, yeah. That's like at most, I, that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think if we, if we want to be really honest about it, like I think that there's a good reason. It's not that your heart is actually illogical. I think it's actually quite logical, right? Because if we really look at your life, what we see is, you know, dad, you know, like abandonment and all that good stuff. And then also like, Oh son, you're the only son that matters to me. Pro tip. (laughs) If you have a parent who has lots of children and tells you that you're the only one that dot, 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 or just in general, makes me hate him more. (laughs) Just in general. Like, like I see this a lot with like narcissistic kind of, I mean, we, I think the word gets tossed around a lot. So there's just a particular kind of person who will say you're the only one. Yeah. Right. So that kind of Um, idealization, that's something you should be careful. Like even when it comes to Dr. K, they're like, Dr. K is the only one. No, I'm, I'm really not, (laughs) you know, no, it's like, um, that's, I, I wouldn't say that either. Like I, I just, um, uh, this is going to probably, this is probably something you've heard a lot before. Um, I came to know you because of your first interview with Rekful and Rekful was someone that I, at that point in time, um, related to a lot, um, Weirdly enough, because I feel like he has very, he had very different problems um, to me. And still I felt like he was someone that I could relate to very well. And when I found out that he was like talking to a therapist on, online and I checked it out and I felt like this is someone who actually sort of um, can like look behind that curtain that people put up. And, and at least in my like, this is going to sound weird to say, but I feel like people who are primarily on the internet aren't easily understood by most therapists in the same way that they are by you and by you for some reason. <laughs> yeah. So there's a simple reason for that. And it's that therapists look at patients and what therapists should do is look at people. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I mean that, you know, I think the more person that you see, the easier it's going to be to relate. And if we really look at, you know, Byron, I think one of the things that made him special was that he was really good at like being himself and being very authentic, which is why it's interesting because we do hear that a lot of people like really connected with Byron. And I think that's because like he showed off all the facets of his being. So you didn't get a curtain. You got a person. Yeah. It felt like like, um, in a way it felt like just hanging out with a friend when you watched him. Yeah. That's probably what most people felt like. (laughs) And so just kind of going back to kind of themes of, of, you know, being unlovable, which is just what I'm going to call it. Right. So there's your dad, there's this friend who sort of shaped you into a person who's worthy of being friends with. Um, And then also like people like kids in your neighborhood explicitly being told to not hang out with you. Yeah. Um, Because of just rumors about my mom going around. uh, Yeah. Also, just me being like the only colored person in the village. That's what I thought was the case. Um, the yeah. way I was trying to make it easy for myself, I think. Yeah, just, that just I, like, a standard case of racism. It. Yeah. But, but, but I, I, I try to make it about that because I yeah. feel like if it's that, then I can't do anything about it. It's mm-hmm. not my fault mm-hmm. and it's fine. <laughs> exactly. But it turned out to not be that, which means what? Um, first of all, I needed to change. And second of all, people knew about my mom too much. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting, right? Cause when you say you need to change, like if you attribute their dislike of you to racism, like that's not your fault. Yeah. But if it's not racism, then it's sort of like, 
kind of your not necessarily it's that it's your fault because I, I still get the sense that you're pretty level headed about that, but that it is like you really are. There's something wrong with you. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, I was just very I was just the annoying kid at school, basically. Like, uh, I, But it's also I think it was kind of a result of just not having any friends in my age range ever uh, up until like up until I like turned. 14 with my friend that lived in the same apartment complex and then 16 when I basically started with a new slate and a new class that was really welcoming and nice. Yeah. So I'm just going to kind of go back to unlovable. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to lay out a couple other things. So one is like, you know, being told that, you know, being sent off to your grandparents place and then your mom telling you that they always wanted a daughter. I'm going to keep this kid, (laughs) but this kid I'm going to send off. Like, that's got to hurt. It did to a degree, but I was luckily young enough to not really, like, think about it too much. Um, My grandpa did a really good job of, like, making me feel like uh, I was at home, but it was still it was still on my mind. Yeah. 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 So so and and this is where I kind of get, you know, back to this idea of like, you know, what's it like to never be wanted? And I think it's something that I say that at some point it just makes you feel like, I don't know, you just ask yourself all the time, what's wrong with me? Um, what did I do wrong? Why are people like always snappy at me? Why, why can't, uh, it just felt like, why can't I have, why can't I have anything nice? Unless it's literally just, uh, I don't know, a PS2 game or, <laughs> or something that I got on Christmas. Right. Um, yeah, it just it felt like uh, I must have messed up somewhere, and there's no way for me to get out of it on my own because I just don't know what to change, or I didn't know. <laughs> um, at some point, I just figured I would uh, see. Like I had like a few people who were at least neutral towards me, and I just tried to like hang on to those people and be as um, I don't know. I, I tried to be uh, almost like them, and. and just weirdly worked out (laughs) doc i mean this may sound kind of weird like i don't know how to find the words but like i can imagine that the person that on some level you feel you are has a main quest that isn't even worth pursuing yeah pretty much right like why would we want to bother with this guy's main quest like this guy's main quest isn't even worth it like yeah, there are like other people who are like normal and like them doing their side quests is like more important than our main quest. Yeah, you know, it's, it's sort of third line. You know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of almost imagining these RPGs where, you know, sometimes like in RPGs, you've got good characters and bad characters and there's the side content that you can do to develop a character. And some characters just aren't mm-hmm. worth developing. Yeah. So you just, you just you know the side quest is just sitting in the quest log, but they're not really worth using. Like their stats are low, so like why bother? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I just went back to character creation, basically. <laughs> yeah, well said. Right, and you reinvented yourself. Yeah, and I don't know. Is this going to sound weird? But I feel like. In a way, everything that happened in my life, at least to some degree, made me who I am. Because uh, 
I don't know how else to say it, but I feel like I've been in almost like every single position that someone of my age could be in, um, in the way that I've been someone who was extremely unpopular, bullied. Um, I know what it's like to to have parents. I don't. I don't. I know what it's like to be an orphan now. Um, I I know what it's like not to be loved by your parents, but I also know what it's like to get their attention, uh, mostly because of my grandparents, but also just the last two years of my mom still. Uh, I don't know. It's just like the last few years of uh, living with my mom were actually pretty nice, which is why it's so, which is why it still hurt to lose her so much. Like it's hard to explain, but all these things, uh, it's it's obviously a lot more to it. It just came together to make me feel like I can can empathize and sympathize with almost everyone to a degree where I became popular, not because of, um, Doc, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay. Okay. So two things. Sorry, you got to let fine. me. <laughs> so one thing is that feels like, I don't know what else to call it, but a main quest yoink. You know, I don't know if you played <laughs> one of these games where you're like, you know, you're like at the end of the main quest and then you get like disconnected and you have to start over at the beginning. Yeah. It's like, like, you know, just when you were putting your life together and like you had a stepfather in the picture who like actually treated you nicely. Yeah. And your mom was also like being more loving towards you. And then he murders her and kills himself. Like, what is the point of progressing on a main quest that ends like that? I don't know. Taking care of my sister. <laughs> that's not the that's main that quest. Right? So I understand that's what yeah. you do. And that's probably why, how you get through suicidal feelings, which makes sense. And I think that's good. What are you feeling now? Um, I think this is um, probably the first time in... <sighs> One and a half years, but I feel like crying about it. <laughs> I don't know. It's um, I don't really like. Uh, as I told you before, I talk about this in a way where, as if I was talking and telling someone a story. So I don't force people to like go in depth about it. <laughs> now so, I now um, now it's uh, tickling a spot that uh, as I don't know. So it's it's kind of strange because like literally on the screen, you're like sneaking away. You've moved like further Sorry. and further. No, no, I think it's fine. Sorry. I think it's just like, it's interesting, right? Because like you're not like as the conversation goes, you're like s- sneaking, which is fine. I, I don't, I don't, I think you should be allowed to retreat. But it, it, it you know, and, and I think like how, you know, how does it feel to be tickling that spot again? It's hard to, hard to explain. Um, it feels like, um, as I said before, it's like it's like um, I'm making it real again. I don't. I feel like at least people who go through trauma can kind of relate to this in the way that sometimes these really bad things that happen feel like suddenly they're twenty years back in the past, even though it's really happened like way like not even that long ago mm-hmm. and 
I don't know. I feel like I've never really gotten to talk about it with someone in a way where I could actually um, be sad about it, if that makes sense, since I was always um, kind of like a full support pillar for my family, at least sure. mentally. Um, I play some sort of a father role for my sister. Uh, my grandma basically needs me to... Yeah. Um, it's like... I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, it feels weird to actually be at, at a spot where I'm the one like being in a focus about it, and in a way where I don't have to feel like uh, whatever I'm saying should not be should not like go over some sort of limit to the point where someone dislikes me. <laughs> uh, good. So that segues to my next question: What do we think about you now? <laughs> I've honestly no clue. Um, I don't know. I, from experience, I would say there's probably still a lot of people who either don't believe it, and even worse, there's probably a lot of people who um, who relate to it too much, <laughs> which for most people I do feel bad for. Um, I hope no one can, but it's unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> Is it okay know. if we if we see you? Yeah. Um, Can I tell you what I I'm, see? Yeah. <laughs> I see a survivor. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what you are. And there's like, there's respect there, but there's also sorrow. Like, a lot, right? Because we can respect a survivor, but it's also like there's only one way that you become a survivor, which is by surviving shit. Yeah. And you can be likable. I mean, that's cool. Like, I think it's neat that you leveled up your, you know, learning how to talk to other normies skill. Yeah. Mixed up. I tried to mix up my charisma. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like you're as much as I can. You're like an alien in human clothing. Like, that's neat and all. But I, I think at the end of the day, Doc, like, seriously, what I see is like a survivor. Yeah. I don't know. I always felt like... Um, at first, that's what I felt like, too. But um, over time, I just started out. So, like, I don't know. I wasn't going to bring this up because this is, like, actually something that may... I don't know. This is also, like part of why I don't like myself but I feel like I I don't know um, I was too close to my stepfather so now I'm like in this weird limbo where um, I hate him more than anything like he it's this is gonna sound weird I'm even more pissed about the fact he also killed himself because it basically took like my like the only thing that I could be mad at if that makes sense and Afterwards, I also started to think about how this person who had s such a bad thing in mind also, like, also managed to um, have the audacity almost to like come up to my into my workplace and ask me for a hug um, just the night before he was going to do something like that. It's uh, I don't know. It's like this weird conflict and a conflict in my heart where it's like this person was basically like my 
the first father figure I had and also the worst person that's ever come come across from me. Maybe that's ever come across to me, I guess. It's like <laughs> Yeah, I I, I, I think you explained it really well. I'd be really surprised if someone didn't understand that. And can I tell you what I heard? Yeah. That, you know, on the one hand, it sounds like he was the first stable father figure who, like, cared about you as a person. And also that he is so selfish. Right? For so many reasons. Like, it's not just... Like you said, there are just so many elements to it where, like, you know, coming in and asking you for a hug, like, he gets the comfort, right? Like, he gets to determine, he gets to, like, plan things out and, in a sense, be at peace. Like, he's figured his plan out. I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to get a hug because I care about this kid. And then I'm going to do this thing and I'm not going to stick around for the responsibility. Yeah. So. That's pretty much what it felt like. He even left a note um, before he did it, since he knew he was going to kill himself. And uh, in that note, he was basically just talking straight shit about my sister, about my mom, about my brother, but completely left me out. Like, no word, nothing. And it just feels weird to... Um, sorry? <laughs> the first time in, like, years almost that I'm crying, almost crying. But it feels like, how do you say that? It feels weird to be the best friend of your mom's murderer, I guess. It's <laughs> yeah, I, I get the sense that there are a lot of really... Do you feel responsible? No. <laughs> Sorry. Do you want me to help you stop crying? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm asking, it's a genuine question. Yeah, I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, give me a second, because now I've got to figure out how I'm going to do that. <laughs> Worked. Good job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. He said yes. I wasn't expecting that, Doc. This is the part where you say, no, this feels good. I'm, I'm feeling so good. No, like I need to cry. Like it's healthy for me. It's like, no, he said yes. <laughs> what do I do? I'm sorry. I'm he's, supposed to, he's supposed to feel free and it's supposed to be good. He's supposed to be able to handle it. Yeah, it was good. but It's, it's what everyone goes for. <laughs> I am um, quick it, penis it joke. Good, but like, penis <laughs> joke. But uh, I, I was drawing a blank. <laughs> uh, that worked. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I seriously, I panicked. I didn't. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh sorry about that. <laughs> no, I mean it's I didn't it's want fine. To I mean, yeah, I felt like if I was gonna say no, that was gonna be weird. <laughs> yeah, and I, you just wanna have to like watching me cry for five minutes. So 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm totally fine watching you cry. I, you know, it's, you know, that's, that's cool. That's uh, what we come here to do a little bit. <laughs> if it's of, like, if it makes, if it takes things into like a different perspective, it's also rare that I genuinely laugh. So that's like the first for two things now. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I, I did get the sense that that was a, not quite as defensive of, of a laugh. No. Yeah. That was that was genuine. Yeah. That <laughs> was a funny reaction. Um, yeah. It, it. Hmm. So, Doc, I feel like there's a lot to say, but I also feel like... Um, maybe it should be said at another time in another place. Like, I think it's important to process what we talked about. I, I'd like to still talk about one or two things if that's okay with you, but I just kind of want to check in with you about, you know, where's your stamina bar right now? Okay. Um, do you want me, do you want me to answer that directly or is that, is that like in regards to maybe uh, a sort of aspect of my life? <laughs> no, no, I, I mean um, like, like for this conversation, like where are you? Oh, like in terms of I'm still, uh, actually, I'm still full. It's like I can still go on. <laughs> OK, OK. So so uh, in my experience, when we have something like this, which is sort of like, uh, you know, a, a, a good cry followed by a genuine laugh, like that's what healing <laughs> sort of can look like sometimes. But it's also like we should give ourselves the time and space to kind of process and decompress from that a little bit. I want to share, I think, a couple of um, almost like more practical thoughts and questions for you. Yeah. Um, the first is I'd like to explain a little bit about, um, you know, your experience of living in the third person and, yeah. and share some terms and, and concepts and things like that. I'm also really curious about what your romantic relationships are like. Oh, <laughs> that's also like, that's, that's um, going to be, <laughs> you know, so, so I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, mm -hmm. um, give me just one second. And, you know, just like, cause I, I can imagine that a lot of what we're talking about will, you know, make romantic, it'll complicate your experience of a romantic relationship. I'm surprised that that's something you, um, uh, that's a conclusion you could draw out of it because it's true, um, in a way. I just didn't think that that's something that's like correlating. <laughs> but yeah, it's very true. Um, because I don't know, would you like me to answer that right now or? I mean, so, so uh, I, you know, I am curious about it. I, I think that I imagine we could spend another, you know, hour and a half talking just about that. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear a little bit, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, please. Yeah. I, I mean, I can like sort of put it shortly, but um, I've had a lot of relationships uh, to, in, like in my life in general after like turning into a normie to, to like, <laughs> to, to put it like that. And um it, for me, it's rarely been the case that I was actually genuinely, genuinely romantically invested, to be honest. It, it's more like people would um, come up to me. Uh, I would like, or I would talk to them and eventually it would like, just like the, the topic of romance would come up. 
And for me, it was just like a, a matter of saying yes to someone because I didn't want to see them cry and I didn't dislike them enough to not feel like I could have that sort of relationship with them, if that makes sense. But I never really have, I guess, infatuation. Like I don't really have any sort of feelings of infatuation for, for anyone. Um, and it usually just led to uh, relationships that for me felt like just a friendship plus almost, but like, you know, mm -hmm. obviously I wouldn't, I'd like, I wasn't going to like trample their feelings. I wasn't going to do, like, I wasn't going to cheat on them or anything. That's not it. But more like, I just felt like I was almost like, not invested. Yeah. Not, not invested romantically. Um, yeah. I still, I still enjoyed their company. I still liked them on, and loved them as friends almost like, <laughs> yeah. And, but that changed at some point when I met someone who's, Nowadays, my best friend, like, ever. It's, like, unimaginable how compatible we are. If you're watching, hi. <laughs> um, but this person is, it's, it's, it feels like having a mental twin almost. And this person is um, someone who actually wasn't, let's just say they actually don't um, look for the gender that I am. They actually look for women. But um, still worked out for some reason because we, we were just so almost I guess excited about the fact that there's someone who is that compatible with, with us if that makes sense and at some point it just uh, uh, we just figured we would try it out worked for a few months but eventually we figured yeah no it's like this is it's weird since um, like just our sexual orientations weren't um working they like working in tandem i'd say yeah but we're still be best friends and yeah so <laughs> uh someone like the most important person in my life i would say um yeah the, the, so and ever but ever since then i've tried to see if i can have that sort of feeling for anyone else which i can't it's um it just won't work it happened for some reason True. and it's uh, but also, um, I've remembered some. This is going to be um, this is going to be a bit depressing again. Uh, I've remembered some stuff in my life that's happened, which I apparently managed to lock away, which somehow led me to just be co almost completely unable to. Um, I say that I, I don't really feel like any sort of like sexual attraction to people anymore in general. Um, and it feels like nowadays, back then, I used to be with a lot of women just um, because, like, with a lot of women who were also, like, with a lot of men. Not, not, I'm not, I didn't, like, break any hearts, but I was very uh, active in that regards because I felt like if I'm with someone, if, I'm, uh, if I get intimate with someone, then I feel like I'm still desirable, almost. That's kind of like, I think that was, like, subconsciously going on in my mind. But eventually that... Um, it didn't feel like that anymore. It just feels like it's uncomfortable for me now. And I don't really get like romantically close to anyone anymore. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's Thanks for sharing that. I thought that was a, a great summary. So I, I think it makes sense for lack okay. of a better term. <laughs> um, and, and here's, so here's, here's kind of like the main, so I think there's a lot to talk about. So, you know, uh, <clears throat> I'll make a recommendation now and later in more detail that I think, I don't know if you've ever seen a mental health treatment provider, like a therapist. 
Yeah, um, like right after that, uh, like right after my mom died, um, we were assigned to someone who was very kind. Uh, but I don't know. She, she was a therapist, but it also felt like just talking to a friend. To be honest, like nothing really. It, it, there's not really anything that came out of it. Yeah. It was so, just, so a lot of times when we, you know, when people come on here, I'll say, you know, you should consider working with our coaches or work with a therapist. In your case, I'd say you should definitely work with a therapist. So yeah, I, but I was going to sign up for a coach at first, but <laughs> I figured probably that's too much. And, I mean, like, I think I think coaching is I'm sure that coaching will you'll do well in coaching. But I, I think for what I'm about to explain, I, I think um, therapy is definitely like worthwhile now. So I just want to be clear. So I'm not sure that, you know, you have an illness or anything. I'm not diagnosing you with anything, but like uh, what what it really I've, is. The, huh? I've yeah. been diagnosed with PTSD, but somehow I don't feel like I, it's, uh, it's weird to say it's like unless uh, this feeling I, of like completely numbed out emotions is part of it. I don't really see it all that it, much. It is part of it. Okay, so we'll, we're going to explain that in a second. But but I, I'm not I'm not surprised anyone is going to diagnose you with PTSD just to be safe, given your story. Because there's no way that so, that this stuff happens to you and you don't wind up with PTSD. At the same time, I, I don't know that there's really like a clinical, like, you know, there are a lot of questions that when we diagnose with someone with PTSD, like you have nightmares, flashbacks, things like that. But I think that like this is definitely, so here's what I'm I'm hearing from you, Doc, is that your life and your experiences have shaped the way that you interact with life. Yeah, definitely. Right? So, so, and the biggest thing is like, so this is like now a psychological term. So I get some degree of, I think probably depersonalization. So with trauma, our, our brains can do two things. They can uh, it, create a situation of derealization or depersonalization. So derealization is the feeling that the world that you're existing in does not feel real. You are real, but the world becomes fake. So it's like, I feel like I am living in a video game. The other thing that people experience is sort of the opposite, which I think you're more depersonalization, which is that I'm like, I feel like I'm not actually living my life, but I'm watching a character who's like playing a video game take the actions of my life. So I am not real. It would, I think I would even like describe it as me being the person who's playing the character. Like uh, it's sure. weird to explain, but like yeah. it feels like I'm remote controlling myself. Absolutely. <laughs> so so, so that, did I say the word controller or was I just thinking? Uh, anyway. So, so, so what, I like, <laughs> anyway, so, so the other way that I kind of think about it is like, you know, I do get the sense that you are controlling yourself living life, right? Like, the doc is playing the character of whatever your real name is, who is existing, you know, presumably in Germany in 2021. So th that sounds yeah. to me like depersonalization. And that's actually a feature of trauma. And if we really look at it, like, why does this happen? It's because when we have these very traumatic experiences, our mind kind of unplugs from the reality of it. And, and, and so it, in some cases, like these, these periods will be like very, very like acute and temporary. So people will have like periods of derealization where it's almost like they're like, you know, on psilocybin or LSD or something where they like kind of feel like 
completely disconnected and it's like a trippy kind of surreal sometimes scary experience sometimes they'll also be associated with like amnesia episodes where like people will have a fugue state where you wake up in a different place like 30 hours later and you have no memory of it so our our brain has yeah it it can be weird but like our, our brain has all these mechanisms to essentially like unplug from traumatic situations because they hurt And it's been really interesting because the first thing that you said is that, you know, I feel like I'm living life in the third person. And then just now when we kind of when you cried for, you know, some amount of time and it's been a while, you said, like, you try to avoid it because it feels real and I'm making it real again when I think about it. So I I think it's good to make it real in a way like uh it's hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, so so we'll talk. So so that that's the thing, right? So I want you to just pay attention to like the language that I'm sending back at you. Mm-hmm. Life feels like not realish, right? Like I'm living it in the third person. Like there's no point in the maid quest. It's all about the side quests. It's about the periphery. It's not about like my life. Third person, autopilot, side characters, side quests. You are the NPC in other people's lives instead of being the PC. Right. Like you're like, yeah, like it's kind of weird. Like even when it comes to your romantic relationships and stuff like that, you are the person that they have to date before they find the one they love. You're like the NPC in their story. You're, <laughs> it's not your story. They're attracted to you. They're infatuated with you. They approach you. So you're like, yeah. you're, you know, it, it's kind of weird. I got I got a really good um this is something that I talked about with my old therapist once, uh, where she was asking me since I told her, since I also told her that I felt like some sort of superiority almost over people, um, like just from like a cognitive point, not actually feeling like I'm better as like I'm a better person or I'm yeah, yeah. worth more, just that I can do more sometimes. Um, uh, and she asked me if I felt like a king. I said, and uh, I replied, and I think the best, uh, like the best summary of what I feel like is when I said I'd rather be the um, I don't know I'd rather be the person telling the king what to do rather than the actual king that makes sense like sure. I want to be an advisor that's, yeah. <laughs> it feels more comfortable yeah so that's the role of the NPC right it's like yeah. you're not yeah so so I, I think that there's ju- there's just a very it feels to me like there's a very simple connection between making it real again and l- like living your main quest Because I think what you've managed to do is like put your main quest on pause, like on purpose and for survival. Because it's just too much, man. Like there's just too much. Right. There's like all the low value stuff from early on, like not like and that would have been enough, man. That's enough to get you on stream. That's enough to talk about. (laughs) And then you toss in. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to say that it, this is like one of the weirdest things to tell people. But like, I, I do believe that to some extent, at least um, what happened, like the stuff that was continuously happening in my childhood and like up until the point where people stopped bullying me and where it like, started getting actually like popular. That stuff probably sticks more to my head than anything else. It's uh, as weird yeah. as it sounds. No, so I don't think that sounds weird at all. Like, so you can, I mean, you even told us that it can be a confusing observation that your teacher bullying you feels more traumatic than, you know, I feel weird even saying this, but your stepfather 
killing your mom and then committing suicide. And and yet I encourage everyone to just notice that if we want to be good scientists, we need to let our observations shape our hypotheses instead of letting our hypotheses shape our observations. Right. And if that's what your experience is, so much of like our so much of the reason that we get the OK. Sorry. What are you feeling? Hmm? Oh, <laughs> uh, for me, it's just um, I don't know how to explain it. It's uh, I think it's just like the nature of it being so uh, such a continuous thing. And it's not even just about like teachers bullying me. I could have dealt with that. It's the fact that everyone joined in and that feeling of like there's nothing desirable about me. And that's something that is really hard to shake. Even now, I often feel like uh, I can actually see a lot of people relating to this um, when friends call me up and ask me to come out. Oftentimes I'd say no, even though I know I would have more fun going out with them than I would have staying in just because I don't want to feel that un I don't want to feel uncomfortable in the way that um, I feel like when I'm outside, I'm exposing myself to the chance, just, just the chance that I might do something that might, might make people look bad at me. Like may, might make people look at me in a way that's just um, like I'm weird against something like that. Even though I know it's not going to happen, it's just something that always stays in my mind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Because and the reason it stays in your mind is because it was put into your mind over and over and over and over and over and over again. This is where when we get to your sort of like asexuality and inability to be infatuated with people, because I, I think that like this is where, you know, this is a little bit more bread and butter. Like you have to really think a little bit about if you cared about someone and if you were in love. How would it. So you have that kernel like you have that core of unlovableness, right? Like mm -hmm. everyone dogpiling on. And as long as that exists, I don't think you will let yourself fall in love with anyone. Because I think so, too. I, I'd have to be very, very comfortable with that person. Yep. That and, and, and that's where like so it seems that when you get your, you know, your your twin, your mental clone like that, mm -hmm. you can actually start to have those sorts of feelings. But I, I think it's sort of like it, like because it's just too much of a risk. Right. It's going to hurt. Like, it's fine for teachers and other randos to bully you. Like, it's fine for your friends who you don't don't really know who you are to, like, not invite you somewhere. Totally fine. But if you let yourself love someone and they respond to you in the way that many people have in which you're terrified of happening, like, that's going to be too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because and the weird thing is it's not even like the um, it's going to sound bad I think uh, it's not even like about me being afraid to lose someone that I love as much as I'm afraid to lose that slight grip on reality that I have but maybe I, there is something lovable yep. about me if that makes sense <laughs> exactly so that's so you're absolutely because because right now there's still a question mark right in your mind there's still a question mark that maybe I am lovable but if ever you love and that person finds you unlovable, then it's like it's going to be the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. Which which makes perfect. I mean, it's not true, but it makes perfect sense. Does that make sense? Like, do you understand the difference there? Yeah. OK, so and this is why I think this is really like therapy level stuff. So so like like when you when you have someone who has been uh, 
through as much as you have, I think it takes really like a good therapist to help you start the process of like making life real again. Because I don't think it's like, it's not like a malfunction, it's a survival mechanism, right? So you've depersonalized, you've like withdrawn from life because life like hurts way too much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and this is where you can also get into other kinds of things like, like, you know, maybe the reason that the teacher's bullying you hurts more is because you'll let yourself get closer to that. Whereas like when it comes to your mom, you really have to do your level best because the guilt and stuff, especially we haven't even touched on that, but like that, you know, so like all those things, uh, doc, I think at the end of the day, like, I think you are a good person. I'm not just saying that cause I'm Dr. K. Like, I think like <laughs> genuinely, like you seem like a good dude. Right. Thank and, you. It, and I'm not trying to pity you, but like, I think I get to a little bit, right. I don't like you because I pity you, but I think like, you gotta let me pity you somewhat. <laughs> and I, I can like you as a person independent of the pity. I hope you can see that. Like I, I can see you as being a good dude. I mean, you're dank. You made some money on crypto. You're busting out the lol analogies. And maybe that's you being a chameleon for me. You know, but I, I don't Just think a little so. Bit, but it's also, it's, yeah, it's I mean, a little bit, but this is also like part of my core personality. Just, uh, I, I like yeah. making these metaphors that are easy to. So, so um, like, I can like you for those reasons and have compassion and pity because it sounds like, boy, have you been through a lot. <laughs> I guess you know, that's like the sort of thing that uh, prevents me from telling people because I don't want them to think that I'm just saying it for attention because that's yeah. like... Because you saw an uncle do that and you know what that... You know what manipulating people into compassion looks like and you don't want to do that, which makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, just the last thing that I'd leave you with, Doc, is like there's this principle from, from Indian philosophy called Advaita Vedanta which I think is a very useful way to overcome conflicting emotions. Mm -hmm. And what Advaita Vedanta says is that essentially like dualism or conflict is like an artificial construction of the mind and that reality just has like one quality. So like if we think about, you know, is this a good glass of water or a bad glass of water? Like neither. It's just a good glass of water. Whether it's good or bad has to do with the constructions that my mind puts on top of it. And so I'd say mm -hmm. your road forward involves probably some combination of like therapy to start out. Second thing is you have to learn how to love again. Yeah. <laughs> and then third thing on a really spiritual level, and I think this is your main quest, because I think that some of these qualities that you describe about the plebs and like your level of awareness actually speaks to me of a certain spiritual IQ. Right. Like it, it's not even necessarily emotional. I think it, it even extends kind of beyond that. And then I think your real happiness is going to be when when you can sit. And this is also kind of a involved in in treatment for bpd for example like when you have all of these conflicting emotions that like both of them can coexist and be real and ultimately like even beyond that you don't even have a head or a heart that's actually an artificial construction and what you are yeah. is like just something that's even formless but that takes time 
and you know you can do that long term. I guess to a degree, formless that's something that I really do feel, but I guess in a more negative sort of way. <laughs> yeah. So so um, for yeah. So so that that form like so even formless is like not Advait because formless and form is actually like two opposites, right? So there's a, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a way to even transcend that axis and not feel formless or feel form, but just to feel. I feel period, not anything on the other end. And I know it's kind of getting kind of weird and abstract there, but like <laughs> ju- ju- just for you to kind of exist. And, and as, as you understand Advait, then you do particular kinds of meditation practices, you know, like this sort of idea that like, it clearly isn't your fault what happened to your mom and you feel responsible. So those two things can feel conflicting. And you can work on transcending both of those. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Yep. Though. I, that's I step three. End of the main quest, my dude. <laughs> step one is seriously, you should see a therapist, man. Like, and I, it's just yeah. like you, you deserve some help in the process of putting yourself back together, which I, I think it's clear you're a survivor and like you've managed amazingly well with, you know, a lot of bad RNG. I mean, I, I mean, I also like for this session, I've been only talking about like bad stuff in my life, but I, I think something that really helped me cope weirdly enough is just, um, like the exact opposite of what's plagued me in my uh, earlier years, because nowadays I'm very um, sort of popular where I live. Um, mm-hmm. People, um, there's a lot of people who I can trust. Um, at least, like my brain knows I can trust them. Like just metaphorically speaking, again, my heart will never do, but it's <laughs> like um, or it will always tell me that I shouldn't. But I know that I can. I, I love these people to death. Um, and they've been really good at keeping me company over like my worst time of it. Of course. Um, as I said again, um, so it's a funny story. Actually, I met these people, like most of, a, of my nowadays best friends like at all. I met them in um, my time working in my casino. Um, they used to be like in, in a school next to mine. We were just like very, very, very like far acquaintances i'd say like we didn't really know each other well but we knew each other's names that's it and we just started talking and it just turned out that they were the type of people who are like extremely compatible with the, the person that i am when i'm at my most comfortable if that makes sense because they are the type to if they have a problem with you they'll just straight up tell you they mm-hmm. don't have any like they don't really talk about anyone behind their backs but they just make fun of you right in front of your face and then they'll also make sure that you know it's okay though. Like they make fun of you, but they're trying to make you laugh with them. And I love yeah. these people today. And they helped me a lot with um, what was going on back then. And also, stupid thing to say, but there's, there's just, there's, there's, a, there's a server on Discord where also there's a few people who really helped me just by being who they are. Um, they know they're, they're probably watching too. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Was that me yeah. or you? That was okay. me. Need something? I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure if it's. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, 
sorry, but it sounds like you've had a lot of really important people who have helped you through hard times, both in yeah. in person and on Discord. Yeah, and to a degree, um, taking care of my sister also really, um, in a way, gave me a goal that I, I don't know, previously didn't think I had just something to do, basically. <laughs> to, yeah. And um, it felt really nice to like see her grow up to be like a really well-adjusted and nice person and i often like to say that she's like who i would be if i didn't have any problems at all <laughs> like not uh, i didn't have any problems but if i didn't have any like behavioral behavioral problems if that makes sense she's um i know she's got strength where i got weaknesses basically she's i'm very proud of her for that <laughs> it's been but it just feels good what, to like what would that's she why say i said about, before what would huh? she say about you um, I'm pretty sure I could just ask her right now, but I'm pre <laughs> I'm pretty sure that she would probably say um, she she's often said like even in front of her friends. But I'm more of a father than a brother, and um, she's also like told me occasionally that I'm her best friend, and it's just I don't know. It feels nice to like know that there's really some people who um, deem me as important. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine you're very important to her. <laughs> Now we have a good cry. Is this a good cry or a bad cry? Yeah. I, I was hoping you couldn't see. I, hope it was, <laughs> I was hoping the camera quality wasn't good enough for that. But this is a good cry. This yeah. is, um, I guess something that I already knew, but just kind of proved to myself again, just by talking about it. That makes sense. But yeah, yeah. this is a good cry. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, I think... Um, Doc, thank you very much for coming on. It requires balls of steel, my friend. <laughs> it's been um, it's been very rewarding. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I'm just glad you. Um, I'm glad you let me. It's really nice talking to you. Seriously. Yeah, you're you're very welcome, man. I'm I really am glad you came on and and you know, give your sister a hug for me. I will. <laughs> All right. Take care, man. Thank you so much. You too. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn chat. All right. So I know we normally meditate this time, but I am, um, dude, I cannot teach meditation right now.